This is episode number 61 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the bi-weekly program which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective because, unfortunately, no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. Unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's Individual, the number one pod. Uh, wow. Uh, there is so much to get to. Uh, we have not done a, a podcast for a week, which, you know, ordinarily wouldn't be that long a period of time. But in uh, the Trump administration. Boy. That escalated quickly. Yeah, uh, so much to get to. In fact, I, I'm going to make a, a disclaimer right at the beginning of this uh, podcast. There is no possible way I can cover everything that has occurred in the last week since we last did episode number 60 of the Individual on Podcast. But I will do my best to at least cover the most important of the many rather significant developments. The most uh, significant may, in fact, be because it deals with life and death deals with the Trump administration, i.e. Donald Trump's decision to pull out of Syria, which on its face just made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Just flat out ridiculous. Um, And today we're already seeing the impact of that. And the timing of this, talk about escalating quickly. I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, a week ago, this wasn't on anyone's radar screen. And now... Uh, Trump has unilaterally decided against the advice of everybody, including some of his closest political allies, to pull out of Syria, allowing Turkey to go after the Kurds, as well as some Christians. It's apparently already happening via airstrikes. Uh, Most people believe that this will allow ISIS to regain a stronghold there. And, of course, Trump has a massive, a number of massive conflicts of interest here including the fact that he is buddies with and effectively business partners with the president of Turkey, President Erdogan. Now, it's it's the whole thing is just unbelievable. I mean, the whole thing is in the in the category of you cannot be serious. But this is an incredibly serious matter because people are already dying because of this decision. Innocent people, people who the United States had been protecting that we have now betrayed. These are, these are innocent people who the United States has now betrayed and allowed to die at the hands of a tyrant, a tyrant who is, has had ties to Trump for many years. There is a, a Trump Tower Istanbul in Turkey. Trump has tweeted since 2012 praising things about President uh, Erdogan. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, but it's close enough. The president of Turkey. So the, the reality is, and, and this guy is a thug. You may recall, and I, I, I talked about this at the time, and it's amazing how little attention it got. In this country, the president of Turkey had his thugs beat up protesters. In this country, early on in the Trump administration, and essentially nothing happened. This is all on video. And so... The, the mind boggles 
as to what is really going on here. I don't have an explanation for it. One of the toughest things about evaluating Trump's mindset and getting into his head is you never know, is he this much of an imbecile or is there something really deeply nefarious going on? Correct. I mean, I mean my uh, basic position on Trump's intelligence is that he is a book moron. Correct. But that he is a savant when it comes to his own personal survival. Correct. I can't make this make any sense. I cannot make this make any sense under the personal survival category because this actually not only harms innocent people, likely already resulting in innocent deaths, but it also hurts him politically. I mean, some of his biggest political supporters, the people he will most need in fighting against impeachment, specifically Republicans in the Senate, people like Lindsey Graham, who, uh, you know, has been one of the biggest Trump sycophants through all of this, disgustingly so, especially after the death of his good friend John McCain. And, and, and he's been basically apoplectic today in responding to the latest developments. We'll get to that shortly. But it makes absolutely no political sense whatsoever for Trump to be doing this. This does not help him personally, politically at all, especially in this time period, especially in these these circumstances. There's nothing good for Trump in this unless he's essentially taking orders or doing something else very nefarious here with regard to essentially uh, doing the bidding for other entities. And that that sounds vague because I don't have an answer for it. But I'm sorry, the only logical conclusion you can come come to here, and sometimes logic doesn't work with Trump, but the only logical conclusion you can come to here is that there's something else driving him. And the something else driving him is he's doing someone else's bidding or essentially being ordered to do something. And I know that sounds batshit crazy. It sounds conspiratorial. It sounds Manchurian candidate-like. But I'm sorry, that's where I am on this. And I've been fighting that for three years throughout the entire Russian investigation. I said, no, 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 no way he's a Manchurian candidate. I don't buy this Russian asset situation. But give me some other explanation for this. Give me some other logical explanation that explains why the hell he would do this and do it now when the winners here are Turkey and Russia, not to mention Syria. Why in the world would you do that? I'm open to an explanation. I'm open to an explanation, but I have not heard one. And frankly, his biggest supporters haven't come up with one. Lindsey Graham is beside himself, beside himself, essentially saying on Twitter that, uh, that Trump is imperiling his own presidency, that he, my favorite thing that uh, Graham tweeted was that the Trump administration, as opposed to Donald Trump, has shamelessly abandoned the Kurds, as if, as if what? <laughs> what has happened? The, the king has been held hostage by someone else in the Trump administration who made this decision for him? That, that's how fearful Lindsey Graham is of directly criticizing Donald Trump. There's zero indication that somebody else made this decision or even urged Donald Trump to make this decision. This was based solely on him and out of the blue. And now uh, Graham is saying 
that he will make sure that the president of Turkey pays a heavy price, that he will be accountable for his current actions with regard to the airstrikes against the Kurds. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Lindsay, but you know how this would have made uh, a lot more sense? You know what would have made it uh, a lot easier? Is if you simply went to your golfing partner, Donald Trump, and prevented this from happening in the first place. Because if, if we don't get out of town, get out of Dodge, then Turkey can't do this. That would have been the easiest way. Holding Turkey accountable after the fact does virtually no good. And not to mention, you're going to have to get it past Trump. Because not only is Trump buddies with the guy, he's coming to the United States for another visit. I mean, come on. You cannot make this stuff up. You cannot be serious. He's currently scheduled for a White House visit in November. And and this is literally Trump's biggest fanboy in the Senate, Lindsey Graham. And I have to tell you, I have no sympathy for Lindsey Graham. I have sympathy for the Kurds and the Christians and the innocent people who might be losing their lives right now. But I have no sympathy for Lindsey Graham. Because Lindsey Graham is a goddamn hypocrite. Lindsey Graham is a coward. Lindsey Graham is a guy who I was a huge fan of during the Bill Clinton impeachment because on the surface, Lindsey Graham did a hell of a job of acting like he was the guy who was fighting for justice and wanted accountability and was trying to save the Constitution and protect the issue of lying under oath and, uh, and, and presidential overreach and all sorts of things that I thought at the time were important and I thought Lindsey Graham was sincere about. Later, I would learn from one of the House impeachment managers, James Rogan, that it was Lindsey Graham who sold out the House impeachment managers at the very first possible moment because he wanted to win a Senate seat in South Carolina and didn't want to push the the thing too damn far. That was my first clue that Lindsey Graham is a frickin' fraud. But then he pretends to be John McCain's best buddy and pal up until like 15 minutes after the body goes cold and he turns into Trump's biggest fan. Probably under the rationalization, probably under the rationalization that, well, I can influence him, right? If I'm close to him, if I'm, if I'm sucking up to him, if I'm praising him, if he likes me, if I get to play golf with him, I can have influence over this maniac. That's probably, I'm, I'm giving Graham the benefit of the doubt here, that that's how he has rationalized betraying his own friend, John McCain, who, who is rolling over in his grave right now over what Lindsey Graham has become with regard to Donald Trump. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that, that he thought, okay, the ends justify the means here. I can have some, some influence over this lunatic, and, uh, and that will be for the, the greater good in the long run. Well, how'd that work out, Lindsey Graham? How'd that work out with regard to this situation in Syria? How'd that work out? Not too good, huh? Not too good at all. Correct. And you should have known that because you're dealing with a snake. You're dealing with a bad human being under the best of circumstances. And I'm not sure we're dealing with the best of circumstances anymore. As I said, I can't prove it, uh, but my gut is telling me there is something really, really nefarious going on here. I think that when all is said and done and history is finally written, Robert Mueller is going to look like a complete freaking joke. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Because I believe that we're going to find out that all of this was way, way more obvious than, than Mueller led anyone to believe. 
that there was no ambiguity, that there, there was no benefit of the doubt to be given about Trump's uh, interaction with foreign adversaries and their influence over him. Call it what you want. I don't know if you're going to call it a Manchurian candidate or a Russian asset situation, but but the I, my gut is screaming at me that when all is said and done, we're going to look at Robert Mueller's report as a total and complete joke. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, you know, good job, Robert Mueller. His report was far too narrow. It was exceedingly naive. It was poorly executed. He got run over by Trump. He got run over by Giuliani. And I think, I truly do believe, whether it's a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, whatever it is, when all the facts are in, it's going to be obvious that there was, quote unquote, collusion with Russia and the Trump campaign in 2016. The collusion delusion is over. And you know what else happened yesterday, which almost got no attention whatsoever, was that the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is chaired by a Republican, Richard Burr, put out a bipartisan report concluding that Russia absolutely did influence the election towards Donald Trump in 2016, that the Russians were celebrating, clinking champagne glasses, joking that they had made America great again when they found out that Trump had been elected and that they're going to try to do the same thing in 2020 and are currently trying to do the same thing. This is a bipartisan Senate Intelligence Committee report. Richard Burr, who is a Trump supporter, Republican, is the head of that committee. And somehow, and this not, forget about the implications going forward, this totally contradicts everything Trump claims to believe about the 2016 election. And I don't even think he really believes that. I think that that's just a, uh, a show that Trump puts on because he doesn't want people to believe that his greatest achievement in life, defeating Hillary Clinton in 2016, has a giant asterisk next to it. That's what Trump doesn't want to believe. Or at least he doesn't want people to think it. He knows it. He knows it damn right well. And, and in light of what's going on with the Ukrainian situation and the call with Zelensky and the massive obstruction of justice that's going on there, which we'll get to shortly, it is absolutely imbecilic. And it was a joke for Robert Mueller to not understand and accept that the whole Trump narrative about Russia was a lie. The idea that Trump wasn't fully informed and knowledgeable and maybe even participating in that infamous meeting at Trump Tower in June of 2016 with his son, his son-in-law, and his campaign chairman and Russians promising dirt on Hillary Clinton in light of what's going on with their Ukraine and what we now know to be 100% factual a day after Mueller's testimony was a disaster is absurd. It is completely absurd not to put all those pieces together. Correct. And, and the idea that Mueller was so naive and so willing to give Trump every benefit of the doubt is, uh, I believe, in the light of, of history, is going to look incredibly bad. That Robert Mueller is going to be seen as having failed the nation and the world in the way that he conducted his report, in what I'm sure he thought was the, uh, you know, by the letter of the law and, in, you know, doing the right thing based upon what he thought his mandate was. And I get he was under incredibly difficult circumstances. I get it. He was under a very, very tough set of circumstances, but he failed. I'm not going to get into that. And I think it's going to be obvious 
uh, in the long run, when this is all said and done, that he failed dramatically. And the country failed. The country failed as well because what he put out should have been enough, should have been enough to at least instigate an in, in, in impeachment inquiry and in a rational world, the impeachment and removal of the president of the United States. And But we're not a country that's serious anymore. We don't read. And if it's not exciting, we're not going to we're not going to bother ourselves. So we deserve a lot of blame. There's a lot of blame to go around. But I have particular ire for Robert Mueller because Robert Mueller was considered to be the savior. And I said to everybody publicly and privately, whoa, whoa, whoa. People are putting way, way too much uh, into uh, Robert Mueller as being a Superman. He is not a Superman. He is human, and he's clearly, in retrospect, way too old for this job. So what's really going on here? I don't have a firm answer on that. But it's there's something that doesn't fit. There is something that's far deeper than what we currently know. Because otherwise, and, the, and this explanation may not be much better, the only other explanation is that Donald Trump is a complete and total imbecile who has no business being president of the United States, regardless of whether he's being influenced by foreign adversaries or not. I mean, there's, there's really, those are the two options. I don't know which one is less comforting. I don't know which one is worse, but there's only two that I see. If there's a third, I am more than open to accepting it, but I haven't heard it. And none of his supporters are able to provide it. And that tells me they can't provide it because it doesn't actually exist. Correct. Now, what impact this is going to have, who the hell knows? I mean, in, in a rational world, in a normal presidency, this would lead to the crumbling of his support. That once he has lost those Republicans in the Senate, people like Lindsey Graham, then uh, you know there's nothing stopping him from being removed because he's going to be impeached in the House. And you know it takes approximately 20 or so Republicans to flip on him in the Senate, and he's gone. Well, uh, that should happen, but it's not going to happen because even Lindsey Graham won't leave him because Lindsey Graham is running for re-election and he knows if you buck the Trump cult, you cannot get elected as a Republican, even in South Carolina. I love the poorly educated. That's the reality of it. That is Trump's ultimate weapon, his control over the cult. Colt 45, as I have referred to it. So, and Trump, by the way, knows this and probably has no respect for Lindsey Graham at all. It's clear he has no respect for Lindsey Graham. I mean, he was John McCain's best friend who was Trump's biggest enemy, and now he's the biggest suck-up there is to Trump. Trump doesn't respect that. He knows he can and do whatever he wants with Lindsey Graham, and that he has the leverage over Graham. And Graham is a coward. And Graham miscalculated. Graham thought, I guess, that he could essentially manipulate Trump. Well, it's been exactly the opposite. Trump has manipulated Graham. And Graham deserves exactly what he gets for, for all of this, as do all of the Trump sellouts. Because this is whether it's going to end a month, a year, two years, five years from now, whenever it's going to be, it's going to end horribly. And there's going to be a lot of pain between now and when it ends. And there's going to be a lot of even more pain maybe after it all ends very, very badly. Now, as far as impeachment is concerned, I wrote a column, which you can find at uh, our Twitter handle, at Individual One Pod, where I outline all of the many contradictory explanations 
and defenses that the Trump team is putting out there for why Donald Trump should not be impeached and should not be removed from office. They are all designed uh, to appeal to Colt 45. I love the poorly educated. The basic of the column is that when you have a situation where your explanations contradict or when your story changes, normally, normally that's game, set, match because you lose all credibility. But that's not the way cults work. Cults like options. And I go through at the time what were eight options, as I saw them, most of which were directly contradictory to one another, where Trump or his sycophants are putting out stories that are essentially a buffet table of bullshit flavors for his Colt 45 to choose from. Which flavor of bullshit would you like most? And this is what what the cult likes. The cult likes to have options. They want to pretend that their position is based on some sort of fact or logic or principle, even though it's not. So you never know what the cult is going to be in the mood for. You got to give the cult options. So they've been giving the cult numerous options, and I outline most of them in that column, which I urge you to check out. But it appears as if the two options that are most in favor among the Trump sycophants, especially those in Congress and in the Senate, are two that are totally incompatible with one another, but are gonna, I guarantee are going to be at the forefront of the Trump defense. One is that what Trump did with Ukraine was bad, but it was not actually impeachable. Correct. Bad, but not actually impeachable. Now, um, okay, in theory, I can understand this. The, the definition of what is impeachable is incredibly and probably purposely very nebulous. It's supposed to be up to the House of Representatives as to what they deem to be an impeachable offense. It says high crimes and misdemeanors. No one knows really what the hell that means. But this we're dealing with a, a, a set of Republicans, many of whom, including Lindsey Graham, were adamant that and voted for Bill Clinton to be removed from office because he lied under oath and uh, attempted to obstruct justice or abuse power in the investigation of his affair with Monica Lewinsky. Now, I believed at the time that was absolutely impeachable and that Clinton should have been removed because I believe in telling the truth. I believe that the president should not be allowed to lie under oath or suborn perjury as he did with his own secretary, Betty Curry, in that case. And I thought that was a deadlock cinch case. But the public wasn't in favor of it. Democrats wouldn't go along. Republicans, by and large, caved, although they voted in favor of it, but they, they wimped out. They didn't even put on a real trial. And Bill Clinton survived that. Well, if you compare what we already know with the allegations regarding Ukraine, this is far, far, far worse than what Bill Clinton was accused of. Far more significant. And, and that's under the best of circumstances. That's not even including the idea that, you know, for instance, maybe the pullout of Syria was related to, to all of this in some convoluted way. Or that there are other actions that we don't even know about yet that cost money or lives somewhere around the world because of, of Trump's uh, willingness to do deals with foreign leaders in exchange for dirt on his political opponents or something to that effect. I mean, this is basic. This is based just on what we already know, and so the idea that this is not impeachable. Okay, uh, I have two questions. Number one, 
then what the hell happened with the Bill Clinton impeachment? Are you telling me that the Bill Clinton impeachment was not based in in sound logic, that was not legitimate? Because a whole lot of Republicans defending Trump right now were very much in favor of Bill Clinton's impeachment and removal. So that's number one. Are you admitting that you were wrong with the Bill Clinton impeachment? Number two, which is even more important, is if this is not impeachable, if, if using the American military and our tax money as leverage with a foreign entity to have them manufacture dirt on a political opponent is not impeachable, then what is? What is impeachable if that's not I mean, come on, people. You cannot be serious. If that's not impeachable, please give me the answer as to what is actually impeachable. Because I don't know, have an, I don't have an answer to that. It, it, the mind boggles in, in contemplating what would be impeachable if that is not an impeachable offense. And again, it's important to point out, that is the tip of the frickin' iceberg of this whole deal. As I told uh, my good friend, Congressman John Yarmuth, in our interview in uh, episode number 60, the Individual One podcast, the Democrat who's the chairman of the Budget Committee, I said, look, uh, the, the way you got to do this impeachment is you, you, you had four articles of impeachment, obstruction of justice, abuse of power, emoluments, and election meddling. And then underneath those four, you put in all the episodes that back up the charges. And you charge him with being an obstructor of justice, an abuser of power, a meddler in elections, a violator of the emoluments clause. And there is a a volume, voluminous evidence for each of those particular counts for impeachment. I don't know that they're going to go that broad. They probably will not. They're probably just going to focus just on this Ukrainian situation. In my opinion, that would be a mistake, both from a principled standpoint as well as from the politics. But, hey, they're Democrats, so they're going to do whatever the hell they want, and they're probably going to blow it, as they usually do. But, uh, but the reality is there is no doubt that by any standard measure, including the statements of many of Trump's own supporters, that what is already alleged with regard to Ukraine is absolutely impeachable. And if it had been done, if any of this had been done, especially the obstruction of justice part, which I'll again get to momentarily, if any of this had been done by a Democratic president, especially by Barack Obama, Republicans would be going absolutely freaking bananas at this point. Uh, off the charts, hair on fire, 24-7, um, constitutional crisis, emergency, he must be removed immediately. And it's not even debatable. That's what's so pathetic about this. It's not even a, an allegation that's debatable by logical people. The hypocrisy is just overwhelming, almost to a comical degree. Now, that's defense number one that's going to be one of the favorites. It's bad, but it's not impeachable. The second part is going to be This is witch hunt number two. That's right. Witch hunt number two. Correct. Um, Which is completely incompatible with the first one, right? I mean, think about it. Hold on a second. You're admitting the action was bad. That's your defense. Bad but not impeachable. Yet you're also saying that this is all part of a deep state democratic conspiracy witch hunt. Hold on. I'm sorry. Those two things are not compatible. If you acknowledge that one thing, in the one hand, that what Trump did is bad, then it's worthy of at least investigation. And there's been nothing so far that we've seen in this investigation other than the typical uh, Colt 45 
tidbits of bullshit that indicate that there's anything wrong with the investigation. Oh, my God, the whistleblower is a registered Democrat. He may have had some sort of relationship with a Democratic presidential uh, uh, candidate. Okay, interesting, relevant. Tell me where he lied. Tell me where the person lied. Tell me where they did something incorrect. Tell me where they did not follow proper procedure. Then you've got something. When all you've got is a potential motive to lie, that doesn't hack it. You got to give me something else, especially when there's a second whistleblower now. So, so which is it? You can't just throw this bullshit out and say, "Oh, this discredits the whole thing," or or call Adam Schiff shifty and some or little Adam Schiff is now shifty little Adam Schiff, according to Trump, and that somehow uh, discredits the whole deal. It doesn't work that way, and uh, you know, th- th- there's no better way to, to encapsulate the absurdity of all this than a press conference that was held yesterday by congressional Republicans. And boy, these people are freaking crazy. And one of them, Jim Jordan, is someone who I, I regret having uh, been at the forefront of defending in this uh, whole Ohio State University wrestling sex abuse scandal, which I believe Jordan was innocent in. And I don't believe there was actually anybody who knew they were sexually abused at the time. It's a whole nother story. But uh, but I defended Jim Jordan. I did an extraordinary amount of investigation of that case. Jim Jordan is now Trump's biggest ass kisser in the Congress, probably because Trump helped him survive the Ohio State scandal. And so he probably feels completely indebted to Donald Trump, not to mention the fact that uh, he's a right-wing uh, Republican and, and is now totally invested in the Trump presidency. But uh, he and, and a congressman by the name of Matt Getz, who is also, I mean, he might be crazier than Jordan. I mean, this is the guy who essentially threatened Michael Cohen. This is the guy who will do anything uh, to to support Donald Trump. He actually made uh, an attempt at, uh, I guess you would call it an analogy, to try to bring this witch hunt uh, uh, narrative home in what turned out to be a rather comical way. And here he was yesterday. What we see in this impeachment is a kangaroo court and Chairman Schiff is acting like a malicious Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> I, come on. It's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, I would like, I would like to be charitable, although I, my, my mood for charity is basically done at this point for Republicans. Uh, and, and think that maybe he was just using, uh, he was mixing metaphors to try to be funny and that he knows that a kangaroo court has absolutely nothing to do with Captain Kangaroo. But I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure whether or not he was trying to be funny and mixing a metaphor or if he's just that fucking stupid. Uh, you know, prior, prior to the entire Trump situation, I would have presumed, okay, that was just a, a lame attempt at a joke. But now, I am now of the, of the opinion that these people are fucking morons. Uh, they're sellouts, they're gutless cowards, and they're dumb. And so it is perfectly plausible, plausible that he actually thinks that a kangaroo court has something to do with Captain Kangaroo. What we see in this impeachment is a kangaroo court, and Chairman Schiff is acting like a malicious Captain Kangaroo. Now, on the substance, and this is important, and, and Justin Amash, the former Republican libertarian from Michigan, uh, who is still in Congress, although he's a man without a without a country at this point, or certainly without a party, uh, said the same thing, that all of this, and including some of Trump's own actions and statements, are consistent with the idea that these people honestly don't even understand how impeachment works. 
All right. They're trying to create this narrative and they're trying to build this case to not cooperate with the Democrats impeachment inquiry in order to delay and kill momentum and try to stop the bleeding. I get it from a political standpoint, but everything that they're saying is is consistent with the idea they honestly don't even understand impeachment. They don't understand it. I'm telling you, folks, they don't understand it. Trump does not understand it. The trial is in the Senate. That's when you get to cross-examine witnesses, right? That's where there is due process. That's a trial. And impeachment is literally, this is what the word means, an indictment. It's an indictment. You don't, when you are indicted, you don't have the same due process rights as you do during a trial. The House of Representatives under the Constitution, can do pretty much damn well what they want. And the most bizarre part of the hypocrisy is that some of the rules that they're currently taking advantage of, that Republicans are screaming bloody murder about regarding issuing of subpoenas and what have you, were approved by, get this, Republican committee chairman in 2015 when Republicans controlled the House of Representatives. So how do you like them apples now? I mean, there's just hypocrisy everywhere. It's actually worse than hypocrisy. It's just flat out lying. It's just trying to fool stupid people with bullshit. I love the poorly educated. That's what this is. And so this screaming and yelling about the process and and whether or not it's fair and whether or not it's a, a witch hunt or a kangaroo court, it's just bullshit. That's not what impeachment is. That's what you argue in the Senate. And guess what? You're going to basically control your Senate uh, trial because Mitch McConnell runs the Senate. And I realize that the the uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, will be in charge of the trial once it happens. But, of course, Roberts is a conservative Republican appointee. So you're going to get every possible uh, point of due process in your favor in the Senate during the actual trial as it's supposed to work. And again, I'm confused as to whether or not these people even know this stuff, whether they're just lying to to fool the cult or some mixture of both. But none of it's good and none of it's defensible. Now, as far as the continuing efforts by the Trump administration to to obstruct justice here, they are astonishing, astonishing. And And the most amazing thing that's happened in the last couple of days, which got a lot of publicity, but probably has been lost in in the mayhem is that the ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sunland, was supposed to testify earlier this week, yesterday, I think. But the Trump administration, the State Department, blocked his testimony. By the way, I thought there was a deep state conspiracy against Trump. If there's a deep state conspiracy against Trump, how is it that the State Department is preventing Sunland from testifying? How, how can that be? How can that happen? But that's another story for another day. The idea that they would block his testimony is outrageous, amazing, and very telling. Let's take a look who Sunland is. Sunland is, used to be a rational Republican. He decided he wanted to jump on the, the Trump train, so he donated a million dollars to Trump's inauguration. So you donate a million dollars to Trump's inauguration. That, of course, gets you a pass into the club. And once you're into the club, he gets appointed as the ambassador to the EU. Now, the EU shouldn't have anything to do with this Ukrainian situation. 
Ukraine is not part of the EU, which shows you just how bonkers this whole situation is. But Sunland is important, potentially extremely important, because he was part of that now infamous text message exchange, which essentially essentially proves that there indeed was a quid pro quo with Ukraine, because in that text message exchange, they very suspiciously, and after he speaks to Trump, claim in the text message exchange after about a five-hour delay that... By the way, there was no quid pro quo here, written as if it's by a lawyer. Again, after he spoke to Trump, using Trump's own words and verbiage, quid pro quo. So what's really going on here? Okay, let's let's get let's cut the bullcrap and get to the bottom line here. Sunlin, who is incredibly uh, credible because he's a million-dollar donor to the Trump inauguration and appointed by Trump. He engages in this text message exchange that makes it obvious what's really going on here with Ukraine, that everybody is setting up a situation where, hey, look, Ukraine, uh, you give us dirt on Joe Biden and we'll give you your aid and your your meeting with Trump. That that's the deal. But Trump doesn't want there to be a quid pro quo. And Sunland knows it's not a good idea to make it clear in a in a text message exchange that there's a quid pro quo. So he has a conversation with Trump and then very legalistically he says, uh, we should not be discussing a quid pro quo because that's not what the president wants. Well, as Saturday Night Live uh, parodied, this is basically like saying perhaps we should not be talking about the crimes while we do the crimes via text message. I mean, that's it's, it's obvious to anyone with half a brain, especially with the five-hour delay in the conversation with Trump, what really happened here. They're trying to cover up that this text message exchange, if it ever gets out, is going to look really bad. So they're trying to spray some perfume on it with the president doesn't want this to be a quid pro quo, which if you know anything about Trump and the timeline and the fact that they had a conversation means that Trump wants him to emphasize <laughs> for the legal record that there's no quid pro quo, which in a rational world proves there was a quid pro quo, especially when you deal with all the other ancillary evidence involved in this. It's obvious to anyone with half a clue. And then after Sunland gets prevented from testifying, which, in again, a rational world, the public should be up in arms about I mean, if nothing screams guilty more than preventing the guy who gave you a million dollars for your inaugural from testifying as previously scheduled as, as he wants to. I mean, that screams guilt. That's like the O.J. Simpson Bronco chase. I mean, that's as guilty as you can possibly get. But then it gets worse because the next day, the Trump administration sends the House of Representatives a letter declaring that they will not be cooperating at all. No cooperation, total obstruction of justice, basically giving a middle finger to the concept of co-equal branches of government, of congressional oversight, uh, respect for the issue of impeachment, claiming that this is an illegitimate impeachment with no evidence. And again, conservatives would go bonkers, bonkers if this was reversed. Mark Levin, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, all of Fox News Channel, all of the congressional Republicans, all of the Senate Republicans, everyone in unison would be screaming bloody murder. And instead, there's been basically silence, nothing. This is 
as much an affront to our entire system of government as anything Trump has done in all of this. Because now we're talking about Trump acting as a king. This is the action of a king. Go screw yourself with your impeachment inquiry. We're not cooperating. That's not the way this works. That's not the way it was supposed to be set up. And every single Republican in Congress and the Senate knows it. But they're too gutless and cowardly to do anything about it. Now, the actual impact of this is going to be to slow down the process, potentially quite dramatically. And that will work to kill the momentum that impeachment was gaining. And there's indications that the impeachment process was gaining momentum, has been gaining momentum with regard to the public polling. The public polling has been fairly consistent. I, I believe it will soon hit a brick wall, partially because the events will stop. The momentum will slow down. And you're going to start dealing with a situation where the only people left to convince on impeachment are people who are strong Trump fans to begin with, which isn't going to happen because they're either cult members or they're closely related to cult members. So I'm not a big believer in this emerging narrative that, wow, impeachment's really got momentum. You got a majority of the public is in favor of this impeachment inquiry. You got a couple of polls even showing that in the high 40s and one poll even indicating 50 percent of the American people are in favor of his impeachment and removal from office. I'm not a big believer that's going anywhere. That's not going to go anywhere from here. Again, one, because events are going to slow down in all likelihood, thanks to the Trump obstruction, and because there's no one else to convince that's convincible. There's no one else persuadable or hardly anyone else persuadable. If you look at the polling results on impeachment and whether or not you agree with the concept of an impeachment inquiry, they mirror almost perfectly Trump's approval and disapproval numbers, which is really remarkable and almost sad and frankly scary. Because what's really happening here is we are so divided as a nation. If you approve of Donald Trump, you don't think he should even have an impeachment inquiry into him despite massive amounts of evidence that warrant it. That's scary. But almost as scary, even though I I tend to agree with this side, is the other side. Where if you disapprove of Donald Trump, you disapprove of him so much that you want him to at least be investigated, to be removed from office. Now, that is not a healthy situation. Because if you look at the numbers, his approval and disapproval, and the pro-impeachment inquiry, anti-impeachment inquiry numbers are almost identical in every single poll. That is a divided nation. That is a nation that is no longer the United States of America. Those are, that is a nation built on people who are living in two completely different worlds, seeing events through totally different prisms. And that is incredibly dangerous. And as far as the removal from office, I just I cannot see, barring some, and it's always possible with Trump, some major development. And, and frankly, I think those developments would have to be not directly related to the Ukrainian scandal. I think the developments would have to be either in the realm of the economy or in the realm of this potential slaughter of the Kurds because of our pullout in Syria having an impact on people who would normally be Trump supporters, soft Trump supporters who just think, you know what, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This is the vehicle for getting rid of him, and maybe I'll I'll go ahead and, and be in favor of this now. 
because I no longer believe he's a savior on the economy, and he clearly doesn't know what the hell he's doing in foreign policy, and now people are actually dying. See, the, the economy situation and the Syrian situation are two circumstances where I've always said there needs to be actual impact. People need to see that lives are being harmed, and in the case of the Syria situation, maybe even ended, be, for them to change their minds. A theoretical deal with Ukraine over dirt for Joe Biden doesn't really cut it. That, the, the Russian thing, there was never any hardcore, in-your-face impact of that. Yes, it was horrible from a theoretical standpoint, a precedent, precedent perspective, and incredibly dangerous. But for the average person, they need something to hit them between the eyes or in the gut or in the heart, something like that. And that's only going to come from the economy or from death in some sort of way. So those, those circumstances could change that number. But based purely on the facts of the Ukrainian situation, partially because of circumstances that I, I articulated to Congressman Yarmouth that concern me about the call politically, that we don't have a tape recording of it, that there, there, there wasn't actually an investigation by, at least not yet, uh, by Ukraine into Joe Biden, the idea that he can convince his minions that there actually was Joe Biden corruption, not that there's any evidence of that, but he doesn't need evidence because he's a pathological liar. All of that, I think, makes it much more difficult for that issue alone to ever get over 50% of people wanting Donald Trump removed from office. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen because of other circumstances eroding the groundswell of support for him on the Republican side. His approval ratings have stayed pretty much exactly where they've always been. They have not been harmed hardly at all by this Ukrainian scandal. Whether they will be by Syria, who the hell knows? Would they be if the economy started the tank, which I, I'm seeing more and more signs that by next year it will? Yes, but that hasn't happened yet. So, so right now, Trump is actually still in a halfway decent position. Republicans are not going to abandon him when his approval rating is still 42, 43 percent, and it's still 85, 90 percent with Republicans. That's just not going to happen. As far as the Democratic side, as I've been saying for months now, uh, slowly but surely, Elizabeth Warren is taking control of that race. She now officially leads in the national polling, just barely for the first time, although I'm not sure how significant that is, but symbolically it is. But Warren now leads in the average of all polls over Joe Biden by, a, I think, less than a point. Tomorrow's debate is going to be critical for Joe Biden. Uh, I, I believe that Joe Biden has an opportunity here to knock one out of the park if he's still capable of doing so. The bases are going to be loaded for him. There's going to be an enormous amount of attention paid to him. There'll be some sympathy. The crowd is going to be in Ohio, which is not going to be super liberal Democrats. Uh, this, is a, this is a situation where if Joe Biden is ever going to knock one out of the park, this is it. He's been largely silent, and I think he needs to be going there loaded for bear. He needs to completely destroy the notion of this conspiracy theory involving him and Hunter Biden, I think he needs to refer to it as Barack Obama's birth certificate 2.0. I also think that he needs to make it very, very clear that what's really going on here is that Donald Trump is scared to death of him and that the polling indicates this and logic indicates this, that this is all a contrived conspiracy and that he thinks Democrats are smart enough to see through this hit job and that he needs to be the nominee because it's clear that Trump doesn't want him to be. And this isn't some sort of a trap. This has been a systematic conspiracy that Trump, frankly, never thought was ever going to become public. 
And it's a conspiracy by Trump because he's that deathly afraid of Joe Biden. Biden must at least hit a double or a triple. He may not need a home run tomorrow night. He needs at least a double or a triple or Warren is going to end up being the front runner and it's hers to lose. Now, it's still possible she could lose it. She's got a lot of vulnerabilities. She's involved in a minor scandal right now, minor only because <laughs> Trump has made lying completely acceptable on the Republican side. But it's very clear to me that Elizabeth Warren lied about being fired from a teaching job because she was pregnant back in the 1970s. Her own statements and the evidence itself indicate that she's lying and that she's made this story up in, in uh, contemporaneous times because it fits more with the whole uh, feminist Me Too movement. Uh, but her past statements indicate that that's not a, at all what happened. But this is this is similar to what Elizabeth Warren has done with other aspects of her biography. But fortunately for her, she'd be running against Donald Trump, and no one's ever lied more about their biography or more or just lied more in general than Donald Trump. So I'm not sure how big of a deal that is. In a rational world, it would be a big deal, but we obviously no longer live in that world. Uh, so tomorrow night's debate is going to be very critical for how the rest of this Democratic nominating process goes. Uh, that'll do it for this uh, episode of the Individual One podcast. As is always the case, we end with our updated percentages on the two things we focus on most. Will Trump finish his first term in office and will he be reelected? I'm putting now the chances of him being uh, unable to finish his first term in office at 14 uh, percent, but somewhat seemingly contradictory. His uh, percentages for re-election are still not that bad. I'm going to put his chances for being re-elected at 45%, largely because it continues to look like Elizabeth Warren is going to be potentially the Democratic nominee, which is exactly what Donald Trump wants. That doesn't mean he's going to beat her, but he's got a better chance of beating her than he did uh, uh, against Joe Biden, and that's why so much of this Ukrainian scandal happened to begin with. So uh, as is always the case, please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share the show via social media. Follow us on Twitter at IndividualOnePod. That's at IndividualTheNumberOnePod. Until next time, which will be uh, Sunday, mid-afternoon, Los Angeles time here in the United States, my name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Global Story Network.